So we've been talking this summer through the book of Acts and kind of bouncing around through the book of Acts and different things to talk about what are the essentials of the Acts church. I mean, if you think about the Acts church and maybe you're new or recent with us and kicking the tires of church and um, maybe you don't know all of the ins and outs of the Acts church, but the Acts church had it going on. There was a boldness that was in the Acts church and, a, and, and just a fire and a passion and things that were going on that was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. In fact, sometimes you read the pages and you're like, this, the skeptic in me, I don't know if anybody else is like this, 3,000 people in one day? Like, really? Is that, is that for reals? You know, like, um, can you imagine 3,000 baptisms in one day? How amazing that would be right there. And yet so many people talk about, you know, today, oh, it would be awesome if we'd be the Acts Church, if we could be the Acts Church. And I actually believe it's possible that a church today could reflect the church in Acts. And so we've been talking all summer, what does it look like? What are the essentials necessary for the church today to reflect that church? And so we talked, um, starting out, we talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which was a great, um, uh, we had a great time with that. We talked about the gospel. Today, I want us to talk about worship. I want us to talk about worship. But I don't, I don't want us to talk about worship kind of in the sense that we might think of worship when we first hear the word worship. I don't know about you, but when I first hear the word worship, I think, oh, that's what we just did. We just sang some songs. That was our worship, right? But, it, but, but in fact, worship is so much bigger than that. Amen? I mean, worship is more than songs that we sing. Worship is more than, than Dylan getting up here and strumming on the guitar like, like he should be going to The Voice, um, right? And, 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 our, and our awesome worship team and Jeff and these guys just singing. I mean, that, I don't know about you, but that song, that, How Great Thou Art, man, hearing all you can, like, like sometime, maybe we'll sing that at the end too, I don't know, but sometime you just ought to close, close your eyes, close your mouth, and just listen. And I, and I did that as y'all were singing How Great Thou Art just a few minutes ago and just listening to you guys sing that. How great. Man, just awesome. Right? But worship, worship is some people with some umbrellas coming out to meet you at your car. Worship is some people opening the door for you. Worship, worship is what we're about to do where we open God's Word. Right? We worship We worship, we have the potential to worship through every aspect of our life. Worship is living your life for the glory of God. To me, that is the most simple definition of worship. And the reality is that we were designed for worship because we were designed for the glory of God. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. That's what I want us to talk about today. And the Acts Church Man, they had that down. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. We're going to read it real quick, and then we're going to jump over to Romans 15 if you want to go ahead and put your finger there, and then we're going to come back to Acts chapter 4 at the end. But to kind of set this up, I want to ask you one question before we dive in uh, to Acts chapter 4. Have you ever just been in a place? Have you ever just been in a place and you feel like, man, I belong here? Have you, ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever gone into a place, you just walked in, some of you car guys, maybe you walk into a car show, and you're like, man, I just, I just belong here. I just belong with these people. These are my people, right? These are my people. I feel that way every time I walk into the buffet. <laughs> every time, these are my people. These are my people, right? These, are, th- these people get it, right? I went to a Brazilian steakhouse. Anybody ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse? Let me see your hands. Hallelujah, hallelujah, right? 
Kristen and I saved up for about 10 years, and we went one time <laughs> and, uh, to the Brazilian steakhouse. And I walked in, and they, and, and they kind of give you the education, right? They give you this poker chip, and they say, listen, if, you, if it's green up, if your green is facing up, that means you want more meat. And so we'll just keep bringing you more meat. And it's true. They come over, and they just like cut it off the, the thing right onto your plate. Glory to God. Praise Jesus, right? And they just do it, right? And then if, they, if you flip your token over to red, that means stop. No more meat right? So my token was green all night long, and Kristen finally had to drag me out of there. It was our anniversary. She finally had to drag me out of there, and she's like, you're done. You're done. No more. No more me. But I walked into there, and I said, these are my people. I'm Brazilian, and I didn't even know it, right? These are my people. And, and so, right, and, and so we've just walked into places, and you just felt, you know what? I fit here. I belong here. These are my people, right? Um, last week, I was down in Florida, um, which, by the way, well, I'll tell you that in a minute. Um, I, I was down in Florida with our oldest daughter, uh, Bria. I was speaking at an event last Saturday night, and, uh, and, and we flew into the Tampa airport. We go, we get our car, right, and, and, and it's, it's morning, and then we drive someplace, and, and we get out of the car, and our breath is just taken away because it's like 130 degrees outside. And I immediately looked at Bria, and I said, Bria, I do not belong here. This is not my place. These are not my people. And I looked at Bria and I, said, and I actually started my talk last Saturday night off with this. I, said, I, said, I looked at the people in the room and I said, listen, I know I've found out, I have learned why Florida is such a church state, why so many of you people go to church down here in Florida, because you already know what hell's going to feel like. <laughs> it's true. Anyway. Those are not my people. I do not fit in. You are my people, right? This climate, this is beautiful, right? 70 degrees, perfect, right? January minus 15, perfect. Anyway, um, but, but, you know, place to belong, right? And so we've all been in places where we have felt like we belong. We've all been in places where ah, I'm not really sure I belong here. I was studying up on this this past week, and did you know that we decide, we decide, and, and, and somebody was educating me even more in between services, um, I love it when that happens, and, and, they, and, and, and somebody was saying, um, uh, I was reading this past week, that we, we decide how we feel about someone, right? We make up our minds about someone or something less than a second from seeing it, or them, Less than a second, like seven-tenths of a second. So uh, in between services, Ashley, who was up here singing, she, she said it's actually the 7-Eleven principle. What are you talking about? Slurpees? Like, what are, we, what are we talking about, right? And she's like, no, 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 the 7-Eleven principle. We make 11 conclusions about someone in the first seconds, seven seconds of meeting them. We make 11 conclusions about someone or something in the first seven seconds of meeting someone or experiencing something new. Which is pretty interesting, right? Which is pretty interesting. What does that have to do with a place to belong? Well, I'm going to tell you because I'm going to talk this morning about worship and how we are designed to worship, how it's essential for us to worship, and how part of our worship, how part of our worship is being a place to belong. A place where you walk into the place and you feel like, you know what? I belong here. This is my place. These are my people. Wait a minute, Pastor. Now, does that mean we have to agree on everything? Because I don't agree that guys should wear purple shirts. 
or I don't, you know, I don't agree that I don't agree with this person. The other, you know, across the aisle, they they went and saw this movie. Can you believe they would see that movie? Or they listen to this type of music? Or they, you know, they're they're a Bills fan. Or they, you know, they're a Duke fan. I struggle with that one. I'll be honest with you. But I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ ought to be the easiest place for someone to belong. I do. I believe. I believe that in a in a in a, in a in a world where we're beating each other up and and drawing different lines and doing different things, I believe this ought to be a, a place where people just belong. Where 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 when things when things are happening, you come in here and it makes sense to some degree. We're going to talk a lot about this. Acts chapter 4, we see Luke recording about the early church and what it was like there. And it was a lot like what I'm saying. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32, he says this. He records, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. We're going to talk about that. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, a couple things real quick. Worship doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. Okay? Worship doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. We worship throughout the week. In fact, did you know that two of the biggest worship arenas in New England are Gillette Stadium and the Garden? Mmm. It got quiet in here. (laughs) Air conditioning turned off. You say that and everybody... What? What did he just say? Two of the biggest worship... Right? I mean, they paint them. We, I can't even say they. We paint ourselves, right? We go get the t-shirt, right? We pay for the overpriced hot dog, right? Oh, and don't forget Fenway Park, right? Don't forget Fenway Park. How dare we forget Fenway Park? Three of the biggest worship arenas, if not the biggest worship arenas in New England. Worship doesn't just happen on Sundays. Worship just doesn't happen in the church, right? Worship, worship happens right? When we glorify things, when we bring glory to things, right? Okay, that's another message. But worship doesn't just happen on Sundays. And in worship, in worship, I want you to see that in worship, this church in Acts had an uncommon belonging. They had an uncommon belonging. They were sharing everything with everyone. Luke says, Luke records, they had everything in common, they had everything in common. They were sharing everything. People were selling the land that they had. They were giving the proceeds to the apostles so that they could determine where it needed to go. And not a person had a need. Now, he doesn't say want. He says need. Not a person had a need. I was reading that, and I thought, wow, what would that look like? The church of 2018, right? Not a person having a need. Everybody being supernaturally generous beyond their means to care for the person sitting next to them. 
to care for a person sitting next to them. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon as we might think. In fact, the early church, if you study up on church history a little bit, the early church, some of you may have heard this story, they got their tax-exempt status. The early church got our tax-exempt status from the towns because they were doing so much to care for the people in the town. They were feeding. They were, they were housing. They were clothing. They were doing all of these things for the people of the town that the town got together and said, we've got to help the church out a little bit. Let's give them tax breaks. And what does it look like if the church today earned their tax-exempt status again? Right? Isn't that awesome? That's what we're seeing here. This uncommon belonging, this uncommon generosity, this uncommon place to be, this love. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, says this, Imitate Christ, therefore, as His dear children. And so to cross-reference this, if you look at Paul in the book of Romans chapter 15, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Paul's writing to the church at Rome and he's saying, follow Christ. We have a, follow this example of Christ when it comes to this unity, when it comes to this community, when it comes to worshiping in this place of belonging. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, Paul writes, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So if we're going to have this type of belonging, if we're going to have this type of this unity, if we're going to worship in this way as the church of Jesus Christ, then the first thing that we have to do is bear with the weak. Bear with the weak. Bear with the weak. And I love how Paul puts this, right? Not for your good, but for the good of those around you. See, we have this we have this common thing that we do these days where, um, where, where, where we use each other, right? Anybody ever been used? Feels good, doesn't it? Where we use each other, where we use each other, where we use each other, and then, you know what, when we're done with them, we're done, right? You ever seen that happen? Where, where, where we're friends with somebody, we're in relationship with somebody as long as it benefits us, then when it doesn't benefit us anymore, I have no need for him. I have no need for him. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul says, listen, not for your good, but for the good of those, uh, for, the, for the good of others, for the good to build them up, not to please ourselves. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Paul is classifying himself with the strong saints here to deal with a basic problem. What was the problem? I'm glad you asked selfishness. Paul's dealing with a basic problem here, and that is selfishness. See, true love, everybody say true love. Oh, true love is not selfish. Right? True love is not selfish. Rather, it seeks to share with others and to fulfill others. See, he summarizes the responsibility of those who are strong. Those whose convictions allow them greater um, latitude when it comes to um, debatable issues. The strong are to bear with the weak of their fellow believers. Not just to tolerate, condescend, but participate by showing understanding for the conviction that they hold. See, here's, here's what we do. And I love to illustrate this this way. 
There's things we hold in the closed hand, and there's things we hold in the closed fist. Open hand, closed fist. Right? There's things we hold in the open hand, there's things we hold in the closed fist. Things we hold in the open hand, I wouldn't shed a paper cut over. Right? I wouldn't shed a paper cut over. Like color of the carpet. Temperature of the baptistry. Stained glass windows. Um, what's another one? Give me one. Give me one. Crowd participation. Amen? Purple shirts. Color of the walls in the church. church. Alright, we're getting deep here now. We're getting deep. We're getting deep. We're getting deep. Um, what about, I, I, I got one. I got one. This might, this, might, this might go a little bit further for some of us, but hear my heart. Hear my heart. What side of the aisle I sit on? Who I voted for? Right? Um, um, uh, style of music. All of those things, open hand. Wouldn't shed a paper cut over them. Wouldn't shed a paper cut over them. Yet, yet, in the last hundred years, we've seen churches, we've seen denominations, we've seen moves of God be split, divided, and ended over those things. Over those things. Heartbreaking, isn't it? Heartbreaking. Gut-wrenching. Open hand. Wouldn't shed a paper cut, right? But then there's things we hold in the closed fist. There's things we hold in the closed fist, right? You nervous? Okay, there's things we hold in the closed fists that we would fight to the death over, right? So open hand, not going to shed a paper cut. Closed fist, I fight to the death. The virgin birth, right? The Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of all three, right? Unbelievable, right? Fight to the death over that, right? Fight to the death over the Trinity. What about, um, what about heaven and hell, the reality of both, the fact that real people are going to both, you know? I mean, I mean, heaven and hell, right? That's something that we would fight. And here's the difference. Here's the separation. Well, how do you know if it's open hand? How do you know if it's closed fist? That the Bible is extremely and vividly clear about it. That the Bible is extremely and vividly clear about it. See, that, that's the reason I don't get real bent out of shape about who's in office. I mean, I care about our country. I care about the way things are going, right? And I'm, I'm invested into that, right? Because I'm a human being, right? But the Bible strictly says that all authorities are placed there by God, so I trust Him. So then that's an open-handed issue. I'm not going to shed a paper cut over that fight, Right? The Bible is extremely vividly clear about those things that we fight to the death over. Well, pastor, what if I disagree with someone in the church um, about, about something that I think is really close-fisted, that I think is something that we should fight to the death over? What if I disagree? That's awesome. I think that's the beauty of the worship of the church of Jesus Christ because now you get an opportunity for something amazing. Hey, man, I disagree with you. Can we spend the next six, eight weeks meeting Monday morning at 8 o'clock at Aroma Joe's and let's do a Bible study about this issue that we disagree on and let's see what the Bible says about it. Because I've got opinions. You've obviously got wrong opinions, but that's the beauty of opinions. Everybody's, everybody's entitled to their wrong opinions. But I just want to go to the Bible. I want to see what the Bible has to say about it. What an opportunity! Right? And so instead of running from those things and allowing those things to divide us, we bear with the weak. Now, I'm not saying, it, I'm not saying, 
That sounded mean. I'm not saying Shannon's the weak one here, right? But we bear with each other, right? And we love each other through that. And we open our Bibles across the table from each other. And we walk with each other and we pray with each other through that thing to see what God might say. See, James chapter 1, James the half-brother of Jesus writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. How beautiful is that when we come together and we say, you know what, I don't really know where the Bible stands on this. I've got thoughts. I I was taught something in Sunday school. You've obviously got thoughts. You were taught something in Sunday school. Let's come together. Let's ask God to share His wisdom. And then at the end of the eight weeks, hey, if you go your way, I go my way. That's fine, but maybe it's just an open-handed issue and neither one of us should hold this in the closed fist we're willing to fight to the death over and we should just live in harmony and peace and love each other through it and accept that we have differences. How would things be different? What would the church look like if that's the way we interacted over that stuff? Paul says, listen, if you're going to live in this type of worship, if you're going to have this type of harmony, if you're going to glorify God in the church in this way, then that's how you care for each other. By bearing with one another in those things. By bearing with one another in those things. Well, you know what? I know you want to meet with me about this. I know you want to do a Bible study about this. But I just can't. Well, then it's not that worth it to me. So take the gloves off. Right? I mean, if you're not willing to sit down across the table from somebody and go through a Bible study about something with them, then take the gloves off. Don't, don't fight. Put the shut to the up and just keep moving. Right? Because little things like this are dividing the church of Jesus Christ and affecting the kingdom of heaven too much for us to keep giving that stuff a voice. And so if there's an unwillingness, move on in the name of Jesus. Peace, brother. Because I believe the kingdom of heaven is big enough, more important enough for us to care about those types of things, right? Bear with the weak, Paul says, right? If we're going to live in such harmony, if we're going to worship in this way, if we're going to have a place to belong, if we're going to do all these things, then we have to bear with the weak. Number two, look at verses four and five there. Y'all all all right? You can tell I was in Florida last week and I said y'all. Okay. Verse four. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, underline instruction, that through endurance, underline endurance, and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, underline that phrase, encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have, what does it say there? Hope. We sang about the hope this morning, right? That we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. Christ. Number two, accept one another. Accept one another. He says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. See, what Paul does here with the church at Rome is he shares two resources of spiritual power to keep them going. To keep them going and accepting one another, to keep them going and loving one another, to keep them going and creating a place to belong. And the two he gives is, hey, endurance, right? Endurance in prayer and the encouragement of the Scriptures. The Word of God. The Word of God and prayer. 
Two resources that keep us going. And see, here's how so many of us, here's how so many of us, and listen, I'm lumping myself in here with you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you this morning, okay? So many of us make a big mistake when it comes to the Word of God. We think, we think, we think, we think that we can rely on Sunday mornings for our time in the Word and that that'll be enough to sustain us all week long. And that's not the case. We can't just rely on Sunday mornings this time right here where we're opening. I mean, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I look forward to Sunday morning all week long so that we can open God's Word together, so that we can share, so that we can learn together, so that God can speak to us collectively and corporately. But let me tell you something. God wants to speak to you individually every moment of every day through His Word. And if you're relying on this, if we're relying on this, if I'm relying on this for my spiritual growth and my time in the Word, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. So much is put into this time week after week that I think hmm, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair. Like let me let me give you a picture into my world for just a second. Is that okay? Picture into my world. Eight out of ten pastors that start out in the ministry don't finish in the ministry. The these statistics break my heart. If you want to read statistics of pastors, there's articles that just, that, just, that just talk about this stuff and it breaks my heart because so many pastors, so many pastors just live for this and don't take the Word of God out of the pulpit with them. Also, so many church people, so many church members expect Sunday after Sunday, which did you know Sunday comes every single week I used to think that wasn't a big deal. And I started preaching like 48 or 50 weeks a year. Sunday comes every single week. And there's an expectation that, hey, you've got to be on the money every week. Listen, I'm not going to be on the money for you every week. Because one week I might be on the money for Shannon. Right? Because he's still got that thing that's closed fist and he's not willing to have coffee with me. <laughs> the next week I might be on the money with Tom. The next week, Rex. The next, you guys get the picture, right? But there's an, there's an unfair expectation that we have on each other when it comes to the Word of God on Sunday mornings. The average tenure of a pastor is 18 months in a church because of burnout, because of unmet expectations. 18 months. Let me tell you something about that real quick, just from, just from, from this side of things. 18 months... You're not even a pastor yet. You're not even a pastor yet. Like, I, I didn't become a pastor until probably year four. Because there's a trust. There's a shepherding, right? It, 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 mm, 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 mm. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. This is all. But, but what I'm trying to get across is that when we worship, when we worship, listen, there's not as much of a separation here. I need a place to belong. Just as much as you do. 
I was created for community just as much as you were. My wife and kids were. Right? You see what I'm talking about here? We're part of the body just as much as anybody, and we need God's word. We need prayer just as much as any one of you in here does. You see that? You see that? So we've got to accept one another. We've got to accept one another. Purple shirts and all. We've got to accept one another. One more illustration before I move on to number three. A few years ago, there's somebody in the church, and, and they, they've since moved out of the state and, and gone on. But um, let's just say, um, let's just say we weren't each other's biggest fan. That happens in church? I know, shocking. Okay? But we weren't each other's biggest fan. And, 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 and he, he, anyway, we decided one time, we decided together, n- neither one of us was more spiritual than the other. We just kind of decided together that, you know what, um, uh, we don't really like this. And so let's, on Thursday mornings at 7 o'clock, let's meet here. We met in this room right back here. And let's just pray together for an hour. Let's just, see, let's just see what happens. Let's just start praying together for an hour. Let's just see what happens. And so we started that. The first day was really awkward. Right? But we got together. Hey, what are you getting out of Scripture? Um, I'm reading this right now. What are you getting out of Scripture? It was complete opposite, right, from what we were getting out of Scripture, right? So like 10 minutes in, we are like, okay, this isn't really working out. Let's just start praying, right? So we started praying. 50 minutes later, it felt like two minutes, right, had gone by. But, but we, we prayed, and we are like, okay, you want to do this again next week? Not really, but I should. Okay, let's do this again next week. Okay, so we did, right, the next week. Like six weeks into this thing, we were meeting together weekly, every Thursday morning, 7 a.m., right in this room over here praying together. In six weeks, we had them over to dinner at our house, and we're like hanging out and having fun, and our kids were playing together. And that night, we actually planned a vacation together. It was almost like God was real and was healing relationships. It was amazing. Right? It was amazing. It was incredible. And now we're still, we're still good friends to this day. We still talk to each other to this day. Now, here's the thing. Do we agree on everything? Did we all of a sudden, like, uh, light bulbs go off and we all like that we both like the same things and, like, had the... No! 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 But we had a kingdom perspective when it came to each other. And I appreciated his heart so much for the gospel. And I think vice versa. It's amazing. Because God's bigger than your thoughts and limitations on other people. And maybe your thoughts and limitations that you're putting on other people are the way that God wants to use you in that person's life. If you'd let Him. But... What's Paul dealing with here in the church at Rome? That thing's selfishness, and it's selfishness that's keeping us from laying our pride down and doing that with the people that he's put us around. So, bear with the weak. Accept one another, the two resources, the Word of God, and prayer. And then number three, this message kind of works backwards because, you know, in, in, my, in my mind, in my thinking, number three should have come first. But what's the result of, of all of that? Let's look at it, verses six and seven. That together, that together, this is just beautiful. The church in Rome, Romans 15, verse 6. That, that, that together, together, everybody say together. Yeah. You may with one voice 
glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Two times he talks about the glory of God in these last two verses. Why? Because all of this we do for the glory of God, for the worship of Jesus Christ. How we treat each other is just as much worship as anything else we do. Anything else we do how we love each other, how we accept each other, how we walk with each other and bear with one another and disciple each other and mentor each other, how we walk with each other brings glory to God the Father. That's worship. Remember what I said, worship in the simplest sense is bring glory to God. And there's some of you here, man, you do that through music and you do it well. You do it awesomely, and I love it. Man, I love putting worship music on and just being in, in all by myself and singing at the top of my lungs because that's the only time it's acceptable for me to sing is when I'm all by myself. And I love that. I love that. There's some of you that worship by hammering nails. There's some of you that worship by, by serving. There's some, but we all worship and glorify God by how we love and care and accept one another. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. See, the other two don't happen without the glorifying God. Accepting one another, bearing with one another, walking with one another in those ways. Those two don't happen without the mindset, without the perspective of glorifying God. See, our motivation is the glory of God. Why? Why is this important? Why is this important? Because the truth of the matter is, we fight the same enemy. We fight the same enemy. We fight the same battles. We battle the same enemy. And that enemy wants nothing more than to trip us up by turning us against each other. See, I believe, I believe this so much with the things that I see in the conversations that I have. That the enemy, right, steal, kill, and destroy, right? He, 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 he um, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Oh, that sounds nice. Right, that sounds nice. Seeking someone to devour. Right? See, we battle the same enemy. And that enemy thinks, oh, if I can just get them turned against each other, if I can get them inward focused, if I can get them not focused on you know, the kingdom or the community or missions or serving, if I can get them focused on each other and distracted by each other, if I can get them, then, then this won't happen. Then life change won't happen. Then, then, then that glorifying God thing, that won't happen. If I can distract them and divide them, then I win then I win. Because then they're focused on themselves. Then they're, then they're fighting over open-handed issues that really just don't matter much. We fight a common enemy. Go back to Acts chapter 4, 32-37. We'll read this again. Now the full number. You want, you, want, you want to know the result of glorifying God and having that mindset? The full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. And grace was upon them all. I don't know about you. But I long for that place. And I believe it can happen today. Where all who are gathered believed were of one heart and one soul and that generosity was unimaginable. They cared about one another. They bared with one another. They had the important things in common. And with great power, they were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus all across southern Maine and around the world. And great grace was upon them all. I believe it. My question for you is, what does that look like? What does that look like for you? What do you think about when you read that, when you hear that? I think it's so important that we all examine our personal worship. What are you living to glorify? What are you living to glorify? See, so many of us today, so many of us today, and I know this is a big one, I know this is a big one. So many of us today live for the glory of our kids. So many of us today live for the glory and praise of our husband or our wife. So many of us live for the glory of our job or promotions or trying to climb the ladder. So many of us live for these other glories, for these other things that we think are going to satisfy us, that we think are going to please us, that we think are going to just, man, be that magic thing that just makes us feel amazing. But it's our personal worship, living for the glory of God the Father, that makes a difference. Last night, went to the Sea Dogs game with about 40 summiters. <clears throat> and um, got to the end of the game. Sea Dogs lost, by the way. They're kind of struggling this year. And um, end of the game, we were waiting for the fireworks and sitting there with my little boy and this guy next to me this guy next to me he said um, he said hey what church are you with I guess he had heard us talking throughout the game and people were making jokes that I was going to change my sermon because we had somebody cheering for the other team because they just cared about good plays and then Micah my eight year old turned to me and she's like no it would take too long to change your sermon you'd be up all night don't do that just preach what you already got planned and it was this whole big thing right it was this whole big thing and um, so we prayed anyway. But um, and so and so got to the end of the game. We're waiting on the fireworks to start, and and uh, and this guy leans over to me. He's like, "Tell me about your church. What church are you with?" And I was, I said, "Well, we're, you know, I told him, you know, we're Summit Church, and we're over, you know, right behind Sam's." He's looking at me like I got three heads, and so he's obviously not from around here, and yada yada yada. And he's like, "So are you affiliated with the denomination?" I said, "Not really. We we stepped away from our denominations, and we're just kind of." glorifying God we're just worshiping Jesus man we're just pumped about we're, we're just pumped about that he's like I, I didn't I didn't say worshiping Jesus he's like oh so you're just a Jesus church 
I was like, yeah. We're going to put that on our sign out front right there. You're the banner. We're a Jesus church, right? I, thought, I like that. I like that. I'm like, where are you from? You must be from the south. Because um, you knew Jesus. And he was like, oh, I, I, uh, I go to church in New Brunswick, Canada. But he said, you know, he said, I appreciate the way you guys love each other tonight. Wow. I was like, really? Because, I mean, I was throwing popcorn at Shannon all game long. (laughs) Our kid, you should have seen our kids. I just feel bad for anybody that was around us. Right? He's like, I appreciate the way you loved each other tonight. If I lived down here, I would come to your church. We worshiped last night. And I believe God was glorified. And I'm not saying that because, man, we're awesome and patting each other on the back, but it was just like, man, you know what? People watch. People care. And you know what I think? People are looking for something real like that. I think we crave it. I think we desire it. And I think we need it. And that's worship. Would you pray with me?